Welcome to the Messenger Podcast. Our mission here at Messenger is to develop uncompromising followers of Christ who transform our world. And so we want to use this podcast to share truths that will position you to experience God's best in your life and in your world. And if you're new to our podcast, we release an episode every other Tuesday, every other Tuesday. And so be on the lookout for them. And today I've got a very special guest in the studio with me. Miss Sarah Trupo. Well, thank you. Sarah, very special. Very. Wow. Very special guest. And Sarah works <laughs> in our marketing team. Yes. And does a phenomenal job. Thank you. So Sarah, try. how's it going? It's going great. You feeling good today? Yeah. We're just churning through all kinds of projects today. So. Yeah. You ready for me to ask you a lot of questions? You know, I am. I just buckle my seatbelt in, just ready to go. All right. Good. So before we get too serious, I need a fun fact from you. A fun fact. Fun fact. Ooh. Um... I'm going to Europe this summer. What? Yeah. I don't think I told you what? that yet. Yeah. Yeah. No, you didn't. For what part a couple of weeks. Sorry, this is your notice. Yeah. Hey, that's great. <laughs> what part of Europe? Um, I'm going to be in England, and I'm also going to be uh, in Malta, potentially, and Belgium. Whoa. Yeah. I don't okay. even know where Malta is. I had to Google it. Wow. Well, that's... Lovely. <laughs> Sorry. I'm a little jealous having, right now. Are you, I see you're yeah, green work, with envy work, right now. I'll work through that. Okay. I want, I want to go hey, to you Europe. you know, we have a great resource here on Messenger called Ooh. The Bait of Satan. Ooh, you well, might well, well played. <laughs> I saw where you're going with that. Well played. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sarah, I didn't have you on here just to hear a fun fact. Okay. Just, just so you know. Okay. Recently, yeah. you shared a really powerful message with our team at a gathering. And I want our listeners to hear that message. So we're going to dive into that message and then I'll ask you some questions afterwards. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. Sounds great. All right, let's do this. I feel super honored to speak to all of you in this room. There are some of the most loved, respected people that I've found like in my life. And so I really feel so honored that you guys would invite me to just talk for a few minutes. Um, I thought I would share a little bit. A lot of you know my story, kind of how I came from politics and ended up in ministry, and now I kind of split my time between the ministry world and the marketplace world, and I think something most of you probably don't know about me is that for as long as I can remember, I've loved stories. So I, um, when I was about 11, I read Anne Frank's Diaries, and I was like super inspired by how this one girl who just recorded her story changed history. And I really thought, started thinking to myself, man, I'm going to like write my stories down and my crushes and all these things, you know? Yeah. And like, I'm thinking like, one day somebody's going to read these journals and I'm just, they're going to be like the story of Sarah Trupo. This is amazing. Yeah. And, um, and then I like can't even read them now. I'm like, what does that say? Something about John? Okay. Um, yeah. So basically, you know, I was a weird little kid. I'm thinking like, okay, I'm going to write the story of my life. Um, but, you know, stories for me just really became a way to process life. And so what I actually um, ended up doing a lot was I just, like, write creative stories. So, you know, one of the things was it also helped me process emotions. And um, when uh, Columbine happened, I was in the eighth grade. And I was really upset by it because a lot of my friends' siblings went to Columbine High School. Thankfully, none of them were harmed. But it was just, like, I couldn't reconcile as an eighth grader, like, how that could have happened. And so I started writing this narrative about these high schoolers. And I just kind of made up this whole story and um, I, that was like the first time I actually wrote something that was about fictional characters. And I really started to fall in love with like writing and that just became a theme throughout my childhood was English was always my best subject, math was always my worst subject. Um, and I went on throughout my like high school, you know, those formative years really like loving writing and English and all of that. 
then I went to college and killed all of it because I study political science. And guess what? They give no cares about um, your feelings or <laughs> your stories. <laughs> it's like, let's talk about Uganda and why there's a civil war, you know? So it, was, it became a season of really writing technical things, research papers, um, just super not creative. And I, I think that side of me just started to die, honestly. And um, it was, you know, throughout my 20s, I was like, God, what am I called to? Like, help me find my life. Like, you know, freaking out. And I worked 15 different jobs. I've had 31 different roommates. I've lived in two different states, one other country. I've worked in seven different industries. So to say I've tried it all, like, I literally have tried it all. And um, I think... What I started, by the time I started approaching 30, I was like, Lord, like, I need to know. Like, where are we going? What are we doing? Like, I want to be after your heart. Like, I want to be doing what John Bevere says and find my calling. And um, I was really getting frustrated. And so I think shortly after I turned 30, I went to um, a women's retreat up in the mountains. And um, I was just, like, laying in a hammock and hanging out, and I had already done my devotional time. You know, you have, like, your devotional time, and then you're like, okay, now I'll go chill and, like, hang out. And so I thought I was, like, done talking to God, and I'm laying in this hammock, and, you know, the Lord just, like, is, like, get up and grab your journal, and I'm like, okay. So I pop up, I grab my journal, I start writing as fast as I can, and um, I'm, the Lord is just downloading to me, like, all these words, like, you're a storyteller, you're a communicator, I want you to speak my words, and I'm thinking, what? <laughs> like, I'm a marketer, I'm a video producer, I'm a political science person, like, I don't do any of that. And um, I really just took that word, and I was so, like, confused by it that I did nothing. Like, I just wrote it, and I never looked at my journal for, like, nine months. And I decided, you know, okay, if that was God speaking, he'll bring it up again. That was kind of my attitude. And I think what David and I, we talked a little bit earlier, what we were talking about is that hesitation that happens when God gives you a word. It's so easy to be like, maybe that wasn't God, maybe I was just hearing wrong. And I really, I, I hesitated. And so what happened was God's kind of unrelenting. And nine months later, I went to Bethel, and they're like, you know, you're going to get a word. You're going to Bethel. Like, all the amazing word people are there. And I'm thinking, like, I just want to go and see the church, you know. But anyways, I'm in the coffee shop, and this guy comes up to me, and he's like, hey, um, I just want to share a word with you. And I'm thinking, yes, Bethel, getting a word, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I'm still kind of new to the whole supernatural thing. I came from like a very evangelical, non-denominational, where like this is the extent of like the Holy Spirit is like the hands raised. Um, but um, so basically, I'm, he comes to me, and he basically word for word repeats the word that I had written nine months prior. Like the thing that really stuck with me, though, was he said, this, all of this word is true. Like, you are to be God's storyteller. You are to be a communicator, but you're not doing it. And I was like, Ooh, like, you're right. And it was so <laughs> convicting. And I was so like, dang, I've been called out, you know? <laughs> and when I got home, I, I was like, Lord, will you confirm this word? Because it's from a random person in Bethel, and I don't know. You know, maybe this isn't from you, you know? And um, this is what we do when God gives us promises. We're like, maybe it wasn't a promise. Maybe I heard wrong. Maybe it's not true. And so uh, he took me to the book of, Hag of Haggai. And I was like, 
okay, what, what in the world? I haven't read that book ever, maybe. It's a, it's a short little book. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, everyone who's reading the year through the Bible, don't skip that one. I probably did. Um, but <laughs> anyway, so I'm reading this book, and I, it's only two chapters, and it's just destroying me because I'm going like, oh, my gosh. Like, this is, re- this is the Lord is confirming that I've, I've hesitated. I've procrastinated. And so um, let me just kind of set up. So what happened was, Israel was, you know, returned. They got, they were getting set up. They needed to rebuild the temple. And um, in Haggai 1, 3, it says, Then the Lord sent this message through the prophet Haggai. Why are you living in luxurious houses while my house lies in ruins? This is what the Lord of heaven's armies say. Look at what's happening to you. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but are not satisfied. You drink, but are still thirsty. You put on clothes, but cannot keep warm. Your wages disappear as though you were putting them in pockets filled with holes. I feel like, for me, this has been my season for a couple of years. I feel like everything I've done just keeps going nowhere. And it's been very frustrating for me. And what, I, what the Lord showed me was these people were, were worried about their own affairs. They were worried about their own provision. They were worried about their own houses. They were distracted. And I think if the enemy can't keep you tied up in sin, he'll keep you busy or distracted. And so I think what I started to realize was like, okay, as I'm reading this this first chapter, they actually have a choice to make. And Israel so often like doesn't heed the warning of the prophets, you know, so often they decide to do the wrong thing. And so What I thought was so cool about this story, though, is it says in verse 14, it says, So the Lord sparked the enthusiasm of Zerubbabel, son of, I have no idea how to say that word, governor of Judah, and the enthusiasm of Jeshua, son of uh, Jehozadak, and the high priest, and the enthusiasm of the whole remnant of God's people. They began to work on the house of God. Um, Spark the enthusiasm, I thought was such a unique phrase, and so I looked it up, and it actually means stirred their hearts toward obedience. And so... I think something that we forget is that God stirs our heart to be obedient. He actually, he actually wants, it's not a hide-and-seek game of like, oh, Sarah, maybe you'll find out how to be obedient. It's actually he's stirring your heart towards the things he wants you to be doing. And I think we can really overthink obedience like, oh, God, where am I failing? Where am I doing something wrong? Maybe it's just that he's stirring your heart to do something and you're not doing it. Maybe it's just that simple. Um, I once heard this quote that the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure that you seek. And I, that quote has just messed with me because there's so many caves that I fear to enter, you know, so many places that I fear to go. But is that where maybe God's hidden his treasure in our lives is actually those places we're afraid to go to? For me, being a storyteller, for me, doing this scares me. Like, this is not something that I have ever, like, thought, okay, yeah, I, I should do that. But it's an act of obedience. So... The next part of the story is kind of what they start doing. So they make the decision, okay, yeah, God, sorry, we've kind of been neglecting you. We'll start building the temple. And so they go ahead and um, they start laying the foundation. And so on December 18th, they started rebuilding this temple. The outcome of that rebuilding, I thought, is actually what grabbed me the most. It says in um, the second chapter, verse 19, I'm giving you a promise now. While the seed is still in the barn, you have not yet harvested your grain, and your grapevines, fig trees, pomegranates, olive trees have not yet produced their crops. But from this day onward, I will bless you. I love that. While the seed is still in the barn, he blesses it. Before they've proven that they're going to be faithful to finish the temple, before it's a success, he already says, I see your heart. You've laid the foundation. 
I'm going to bless the, the outcome of this. I'm going to bless you guys for being faithful to be obedient, to just take the first step, to just step into that water. Like that, God's already blessed the, the, what's on the other side. What, whatever your promise is, it's already been blessed. And I was like thinking, man, some of us need to get planting. Like some of us need to start planting these seeds that have already been blessed. Um, and that really just grabbed me because I think so often I overthink promises. I think like, man, maybe, um, you know, I'll try to do this and then it'll fail. You know, that's not true. Like God, if he's calling you to do something, it's already going to be successful. The second thing he says is, I will honor you, Zerubbabel, son of Sheatel, my um, servant. I will make you like a signet ring on my finger, for I have chosen you. A signet ring actually conferred legal authority. So if it got stamped on a paper, it was automatically a legal document. And if you wore it while traveling, the people who you were traveling to had to receive you as though you were the king. And so I think you know, when we're obedient, it confers blessing, but also confers authority. So when God's sending you into your promise, into whatever that thing is, if he's sending you to do that, you're going in blessed and you're going in with authority. Like how comforting is that to know? I think just in closing, you know, really what I wanted to challenge you guys with is what is God asking you to be obedient with? What is the cave that you are not entering, you're fearing to enter? Review some of those promises. Maybe for some of you, they go back 20 years. You know, maybe for some of you, they go back two months. Maybe some of you are thinking, I don't even know if I have a promise on my life. Like, I'm still trying to figure that out, you know. But whatever it is, seek the Lord and ask him, what is it that I have not yet stepped into that you're calling me into? Because guess what? You're going in with authority and you're going in with blessing. Like, that's a guarantee, guys. Like, I think that's the charge that the church is being asked to step in, to take take the promise to get it, you know, to not let it sit here and kind of be like, God, bring it to me. It's like, no, go and grab that and say, I'm going to step into the thing God's calling me to. Um, The last thing, or a couple other thoughts just on that is if you just start being obedient in the small things, if you just start, for some of you who are interns or you're like in your 20s, you're like, oh man, I don't know. Where do I even find a promise? (laughs) Like that was me. Where do I find my calling? Um, just start being obedient. If God says, hey, go talk to that person, go talk to them. If he says, hey, pick up that trash that somebody just threw, pick up the trash. Like if he says, change your attitude about this or stop listening to this music or watch, like that's how God trained me in obedience was he started small. And the more I was obedient in the little things, the more he entrusted me. And then when it comes to big things now, and he's like, be obedient, I'm, I'm ready to go. So the last thing is, is plant those blessed seeds. Like, get out there and start digging. Start building your foundation, whatever that might be. Start, um, be- begin the work of stepping into the promises. And then the last thing I just kind of wanted to leave you guys with is a charge for 2018. My word for this year is relentless. I want to be relentless in my pursuit of obedience. I want to be relentless in my pursuit of relationships. I want to be relentless and just in every aspect of my life. I mean... I just encourage you guys, like, don't don't just be praying, like, God, please send me answers. Please let me know what to do. Be relentless in pursuing the things he's already told you to do. So, Sarah, that was good. Thank you. And I, I'm pretty sure that the most important thing for us to talk about right now is why you've had 31 roommates. <laughs> 
I mean, that is a lot of roommates. Are Honestly, you are you just a bad roommate? No, I'm a I mean, great. Real talk. No, I'm a great roommate. I've just moved so many times and lived with so many people. I'm also almost 32, so that's 10 years of roommate. I mean, but 31. 30. Well, you know, one a year of life. That no, I'm just kidding. I, I, think, I mean, everyone here loves you, so okay. I'm just like 31 roommates. Well, some of those houses. So I lived in California, so everybody had to pack in a bunch of people because gotcha. we couldn't afford a beach house it was in three, Santa Barbara. It was three grand for yeah. 400 square so feet. So there's three people in one bedroom. So when you add up, you know, that's now 10 people in a duplex, you know. I just felt like we need to set the record straight there because <laughs> when I heard that in the message, I was like, wow. I just 31. counted them all. Is there something day? about Sarah that we have no, yet it's to discover? I'm so well loved that people are like, want to live with me, Addison. That makes sense. I just can't find this husband to just end that though. That's the problem. Well, I'm not, I'm not going to turn this <laughs> into one of Therapy. those podcasts. No, any, anytime I have someone on here that's single, I, I normally make jokes about that and talk oh, about setting them up you. and all that, but I I'm not so going to do that to you because I have too much respect for you. Oh, so I'm, I would do that to one you. of my brothers. I would do that to a few other people, but not you, but getting serious, right? Okay. Like serious face. Serious. Cause serious. this is, this is serious stuff that we're talking okay. about during the message. You said, if the enemy can't get you caught up in sin, he'll keep you busy or distracted. So my question for you is how do you Sarah Trupo keep from becoming busy and distracted? Well, that's a great question. It's a lifelong challenge, right? I'm an extrovert. I'm super busy. I take on a lot of projects, but I've kind of found three key things that keep me from fighting that. And really the first is Sabbath. If I have a Sabbath every single week, it helps me realign priorities. So really understanding, Hey, what am I actually driving towards in life? So that this week looks like that. Mm. The second thing is, um, productivity tools. So I have this thing called the Panda Planner, which every day. That sounds exciting. <laughs> it is. It, you know, Oprah put it on her wish list and I figure anything Oprah's doing, I'm about to do, mm-hmm. you know? Well, within productivity. <laughs> Homegirl's real successful. So, um, but so it helps me really line up those priorities on a daily basis. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing is I'm ruthless with my yes. So before I tell somebody yes, I'm like, Hey, can I take a week to think about this or a couple of days or even a few hours if I'm invited to be on a board or on a committee for like an event or just a friend's party or, Hey, will you throw this baby shower? Because I think the thing is, is I really think about, okay, if the Lord is calling me to certain things, I have to align my life and my time around yeah. that. And my temptation is to just pack it full of sure. goodness knows what. Because you're an achiever. You like I'm, doing a lot I of stuff. I just like stuff. I like people. You, you like I like making it happen. Activities, travels. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, I'm say yes to all the things. And then I have 25 plates spinning and realize, man, the last thing the Lord told me to do, I don't even have time to do because I've jam packed my day so full. And you're not doing any of those things well. Exactly. So I think as I've gotten older, I've realized, okay, less is more Mm -hmm. and really focus on what you're saying yes to and focus on how you're using the time you have. It's good, Sarah. Okay. So the three again were Sabbath, Sabbath, the fa- panda, yeah, the p- <laughs> or any productivity <laughs> tool that works for you. Okay. And then the last thing is just to really evaluate your yes. You know, why are you saying yes to this project? Does it align with your mission for this year, for this yeah. season, for this week? Because every time you say yes, you say no. Exactly. So true. All right. So since you were a young girl, you felt called to be a storyteller. Yes. So how have you seen God's process over the last 10 years develop your storytelling abilities? Man, that's such a great question. I think... The thing is, it's really developed in more than anything patience. And I think Mm. any good storyteller has to be patient and has to know how to deliver 
the right story the right way. And, and stories require patience. They do. It would and be a lame story if it was yeah. beginning, boom, <laughs> climax, end, and end. done. And Walk be, out of the theater. Yeah, you think of any of those epics, you know, Lord of the Rings or Hobbits and, you know, all of those. You like, have to hear Smeagol and Gollum talk back and forth <laughs> for like 45 minutes. Yeah, and so narratives, right? We have to write dialogue. We have to think about the circumstances. I remember mm. I ran into this filmmaker in LA. I was sitting in an airport and I asked him, what's the hardest thing about writing films? And he said, you have to create the circumstances around the characters, the the circumstances squeeze out what's actually inside these people. So you yeah. have to, as the writer, create these these um, circumstances. And what I found is that God creates the circumstances around our lives to squeeze out what's actually inside of us. And so for me, you know, different jobs I've had, you know, working for the Republican Party or having my own business or, you know, even working on movies and stuff, all of that has used my storytelling skills, whether it's marketing, even here doing marketing, but really what has been trained in me is that, you know, as you tell other people's stories, you learn how to tell your own. Mm, It's good. And so that's something that the patience that that takes of popping out of college at 22 and being like, I want to change the world. Like I need to be in a position of authority. I have so much gift on my life. Y'all are going to be blessed by me. (laughs) Like, and then the Lord took another 10 years of like, you know, you're going to serve. Yeah. You're going to serve people. You're going to tell their stories. You're going to learn how to tell their stories well. And now I feel like he's asking me, will you step out and Mm. start telling your own? And I'm like, Oh wait, I don't even like, that's so foreign to me. And you're on the podcast and I'm on the podcast. (laughs) Here I am telling my story. So basically I think that's, you know, that's really what I've learned as a storyteller is like, man, it takes patience being developed to be a good one. So good, Sarah. All right. So what does right now in this season of your life, what does relentless obedience look like for you? Um, relentless obedience for me just means staying the course right now. I think there's two seasons of obedience. One is first season for me with the Lord was, Hey, I'm going to ask you to do a couple of things. And will you say yes? Mm. Will you say yes to go talk to that person? Will you send that person money when I put on your heart? Will you be in the Ross at Christmas time when their socks and gosh, no one wants to be in Ross during Christmas (laughs) time. Don't do it. But that's obedience. Yeah. Well, but you know, when I was shopping, there's like all these mittens and everything everywhere. And I like just wanted to get my gift and leave. And Lord was like, will you pick all those up and put them back up? And I was like, no. (laughs) And he was like, but will you? And I was like, yes, fine. And so it started out that way. But now, now that it's just like a practice for me, just like if I hear something, I do it. Hmm. But I think the biggest thing is staying the course with some of those big things he's asked me to be obedient to pursue. And so that's managing my time, my energy, myself really well. Yeah. So. That's so good, Sarah. Well, Sarah, thank you. Thank you for yeah. being here yes, with me today. So thank you for sharing your wisdom and perspective and Thanks some of your journey. Me. It's always good getting to hang out with you and have these conversations. You're a deep well. Well, thank you. I yeah. appreciate that. Yeah, you're very welcome. So all of you out there listening, thank you so much for tuning in. It's always fun doing this. We appreciate your involvement. We appreciate your feedback. If you have any specific comments or if you could write a review, that would be awesome. And also, if you're enjoying the podcast, be sure to share it with your friends. That's it for today. Until next time. Thanks for listening to The Messenger Podcast. Let us know your thoughts by leaving a review and be sure to subscribe and share these episodes through iTunes. You can connect with us through Facebook, Instagram, and through our website at messengerinternational.org. Until next time. Thank you.